Sundays, uh, starting in January, and uh, 7,000 miles. It was very enjoyable. I love driving. Some people think I'm insane, but, you know, it's much more inexpensive to stay on the road than to fly to churches back and forth. And so we were really blessed to get to do that. And I spoke at 10 churches, visited a number of others, and the Lord uh, blessed us with uh, good donations and commitments. And so it was just awesome. I was back in Livingston for one Sunday. And then last weekend, we got a new grandson in Joliet. And so Rachel had her little fella, and we uh, worshipped at Laurel last Sunday. And this Sunday, I get to be in Belgrade. So Livingston's not really going to know who I am, <laughs> uh, seemingly. But uh, I thought since, uh, oh, and, and Kathy would be with me, except our son, Ben, who married uh, Haley, an Oklahoma girl, uh, a year ago, their anniversary's coming up in April. She was uh, immersed uh, last Thanksgiving, which was exciting. They worship with the church up in Polson, and they're doing well. Uh, they're announcing that they're going to be parents So uh, in October. So Rachel now, Amanda, our youngest, in June, and our son in October. That's pretty awesome. So uh, we feel exceptionally blessed. And I thought I'd give you a quick update about Orphan's Lifeline. I'm going to buzz through some slides really quick. Uh, in December, I have a real good friend I was in school with, Ron Popberg, as the vice president for World Bible School in International Relations. And he has helped. Uh, he goes to Africa five times a year and uh, follows up with World Bible School contacts. Ron is... Uh, uh, an amazing evangelist. He, he, he told me in December, Calvin, if there was someone doing uh, and leading more people to Christ, I would be serving with that ministry. Uh, World Bible School is alive and well, uh, Ron confirmed with me, and they're doing an immense amount of ministry. But he was, uh, he met uh, John Travis, who was a Liberian in the refugee camps in Ghana. And John said, if I ever get back to Liberia, I want to have an orphan home for all these orphan children. And so nine years ago, Ron helped him start an orphan home in Liberia. And uh, this is the home, one of the notes uh, there. In 2004, there were less than 20 churches of Christ in Liberia. 2015, there's over 130 now. And so they've been doing a really awesome ministry. This is the, I think it's more than just the children in the home. They're, the church meets on this property as well uh, in uh, the 70s, I believe it was. Uh, the Liberian government gave 43 acres to the Churches of Christ in Liberia here in Flayla if they would put in a clinic or uh, a school um, or an orphan's home. And uh, back in the 70s, a doctor and nurse went over and, and started a clinic. And that's all the only building that was there nine years ago. Subsequently, a lot of things have been done, a lot of buildings. John Travis is up there on the far right. And uh, so uh, I'm, they have rice, uh, rice patties that uh, he had in these slides. And uh, they are converting their rice. These are some of the buildings that have been put up for the children, keeping the children there and uh, the, you see the little chickens. That's the schoolhouse and pictures of the kids at school. And uh, there's about 65 kids. Their well is a long walk from their 
home situation, and so that's something that needs to be remedied. And so we're working on that, uh, some of the buildings on the property. They are right now, these are footings that they were digging, and probably there's some building there now at this point. But they are going to start having uh, raising chickens. And this is to enable them to have protein for the children and something to sell, to market, uh, so that they will have more income. And they're converting all the rice paddies to fish ponds because they discovered uh, they can't raise enough rice to feed the children, so they're still buying rice, which is very expensive, and they can raise enough fish so the children can have protein every day, which they have not had uh, in this country. Get protein every day, if you can imagine. Uh, so they're converting to fish ponds. They'll have more fish than they need to eat, and they'll be able to sell them at the market. And so it's pretty uh, awesome, the things that they've been doing to try to be sustainable uh, there with these children. And so uh, Liberia had uh, civil war for years. Uh, the movie that was out years ago, Blood Diamonds, uh, is a story about Liberia, Sierra Leone, uh, where there was a lot of uh, the rebel activity killing and uh destroying, maiming people in these countries. And so uh, just a lot of uh, pictures of that home. That is our, our newest facility, and we uh, started January 1. Ron communicated with me this home that he helped start nine years ago was going to lose all their funding, and <clears throat> we were on Facebook. I said, I better call you tomorrow. And thank the Lord, he came up from, uh, he lives uh, outside of Denver now. He works with World Bible School out of Austin, but he doesn't need to be in Austin because he's in, he's in Africa half the year. And so he flies out of there. And uh, we got him up here, and thankfully Orphan's Lifeline uh, took over the management and financial uh, uh, fi- finances for the home. And in communication with the organization that had been funding them, we've gotten most of their donors, which is uh, 22 to 2,500 a month that we've been able to bring in to help fund this home. And uh, I would say we're over 3,000 now uh, fund of ability to fund the home. And so, uh, you know, ideally, and I think I've presented this before, ideally they would like $100 to sponsor a child. So that would be $6,500 a month to, you know, make this an ideal situation. But none of the orphan homes with Orphan's Lifeline are in uh, ideal situations. Uh, this home was funded about $3,500 a month. Uh, it needs, they need more than that. Uh, obviously, they weren't getting protein every day. They didn't have the money to get the well pumped to the to the buildings. They're just kind of still developing. And so I'm really excited about this. And I'll be going in November to Liberia uh, with Ron. And in November, he goes to Sierra Leone, Sierra Leone and Liberia. That's the countries that he goes to to visit and follow up with his World Bible School uh, regional people that are following up with World Bible School students. And so I'm going to go with him on that excursion. And uh, the, he has other homes in the area that need help. And so uh, we'll see what the Lord provides going forward. But uh, thank you for your continued assistance here from the Belgrade Church. And again, every dollar makes a difference. 
And so uh, we have uh, donors, your Orphan Sunday here. We have other donors here in Belgrade, and it's very appreciated. It's a blessing to these children and, and changing their lives. We have uh, sponsored about 84, uh, about 84 children have received sponsorship in the last year and a half. Uh, with Orphan's Lifeline through this Take a Child Off the Street. That's the T-C-O-S, Take a Child Off the Street. We're up to about 84 right now. And on my trip, I should end up with about 10 from that trip for almost eight weeks, which is really awesome because that's $1,000 a month if we sponsored 10 children. And so uh, that's way more than that trip cost, believe me. Uh, we stayed in motels two nights over eight weeks. And so uh, I let the brethren keep me. They love to do that, you know. You guys would keep me if I needed a bed, right? So uh, it's been a blessing. So uh, moving on from that, I just wanted to give you a quick update because uh, that's exciting to me. Uh, people want a place to feel like they belong. They want they want a place like this. They, people really do, and people are seeking for a place of peace and struggling to find it. So, uh, Solomon, where we look everywhere for peace and joy and contentment in his life, and, and he did that, as you read Ecclesiastes. He looked everywhere, but at the end of Ecclesiastes, you remember what Solomon said, honor God and keep His commandments, because that's where we'll find and security and joy in our lives is following him. And so finding the peace and joy of Jesus Christ is what people really want. It's what people really need. But most people are looking in different places to find that. Uh, we had our reading uh, from the young man, uh, you know, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And I want to talk about that this morning, about what we're doing individual, individual lives to reflect Jesus Christ more to the world around us. Because the world around us needs peace and joy in their lives. And if we don't have it, if the people of God don't have it and aren't showing it, aren't projecting it to the world around us, they're not going to come here because they won't suspect that this is a place of peace and joy. If they meet you on the street, if they see you in business, see you at work or at school, and you're not presenting love, peace, and joy, why would they come here? You see? And so I want to challenge us. I want to challenge you and, my, and me that we are doing that, that we're growing in the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, Kyle Eidelman wrote a book a few years back called Not a Fan, and it's a completely committed follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, he talks about being a fan or a follower. It's really easy to be a fan. You know, it's really easy to sit in your easy chair, your recorder, and watch the Super Bowl and gripe and complain about how the players are, are playing. It's really easy to be a fan. You know, when you don't have anything invested in it. It's really easy to say, well, yeah, I believe in God. I mean, how many people in America are fans of Jesus Christ? Well, you know, how, what's the percentage? Eighty, ninety percent would still say, I, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. But it's not affecting their lives at all. 
They're not doing anything about it. It's easy to be a fan. We live in this Christian nation, and followers are in short supply. It's easy to say, I believe in God and Jesus Christ. It's easy to be a fan. But what God is calling for is our followers and something that we need to think about. You know, we sit back in America and we think every, well, we're all going to heaven because this is a Christian nation, right? If we believe in God and Jesus, well, we're all going. And that's a concept that's in our culture, but that's not what Jesus conveyed in His teaching. He said that few are going to enter those gates. Few will will make it. And we're like, well, surely he wasn't talking to the 21st century. Surely not in America where 80, 90 percent believe in Jesus Christ. Really, that, that, that must be antiquated. That was in the first century, right? Because here in America, uh, there's a lot of fans, but there's not a lot of followers. And I want to challenge us to be more than just a fan. A follower actually develops the life of the one that they're following. Uh, what are we going to do with Jesus? Jesus had disciples. A disciple in the Greek was tel- Telmud, tel- Telmud, whatever you want to pronounce it. Uh, a disciple of someone, their goal was to be the rabbi. Their goal wasn't just to follow the rabbi around. That wasn't their goal. Their goal was to one day be the rabbi. And so rabbis chose disciples. They chose disciples. You got chosen to be a disciple. And your goal as a disciple was to one day be the rabbi. So that when you walked by, they thought it was the rabbi walking by. That's the goal of a real disciple, a real follower of Jesus. We have churches full of people, maybe not as full as they were 50 years ago, but we have some mega churches, churches full of people, people just like you and I here filling this building. People are filling buildings still, but we need to define our relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to have a personal relationship with Him that's developing and changing us day in and day out. Will we allow Him to change us? And that's really the question that we need to deal with every day in our lives. Because every one of us have struggles that are keeping us from reflecting Jesus the way that He's calling on us to reflect Him. You know uh, the, the areas in your life that you struggle with reflecting Jesus. And I want to challenge us to do those self-evaluations and discover what it is. What can I do to be more like my rabbi, more like my Savior? What will we do? Uh, Just Jesus can't be just another thing in our lives. You see, it's easy to be a fan because Jesus is just another thing that I do. I go to church on Sunday. It's one of the things I do. You see, uh, that's a fan. Football is, is just another thing. I enjoy football. I enjoy a lot of sports. They're, they're, they're another thing. But Jesus will not allow us to put him in our lives as just another thing. 
just one of those things I do. I go to church and I act really good and I say hi to everyone and I go home and live however I want. The rich young ruler came to Jesus in Luke 18 and said, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness and on, you know. And uh, the uh, young man said, well, I've done all that since my youth. Now, this was obviously an amazing young man. He's kept the law of God from his youth. He's, he's way superior to any of us in, in here that he could say, Oh, yeah, I've done all that, Jesus. I've done all of that. He wanted to hear Jesus say, Oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on into the kingdom with me. That's what he wanted to hear. Well, there's nothing more you can do, young man. You, you are an example of faith and, and strength. And, uh... But Jesus said, oh, there's one thing you're lacking. You need to sell everything you have and come and follow me. There's one thing. He'd done so much. But there was one thing lacking. Because... Keeping the law was just one of the things he did. It was, it was the right thing to do. Uh, he did it to try to justify himself before God and earn his way into heaven. We're not going to earn our way into heaven. It's not going to happen. Showing up on Sunday is not going to get you into heaven. You see, it's just not going to happen. There's more to it than that. It's about reflecting Jesus in our daily lives. Jesus made people angry. We think that, that the masses followed Jesus until the day he died. In John chapter 6, uh, Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's gone up on the mountain to pray. The, his disciples have taken the boat across the sea. Jesus has walked on the water and met them, scared them out of their life, you know. Uh, they get to the other side. All these thousands of people notice Jesus isn't there and they migrate around to find Him again because what do they want? They want another meal. This guy is phenomenal. He can feed us. He's obviously the Messiah. He's a little... Now, granted, he's a little odd. But he can feed us. And Jesus made them very angry. Because that's what they wanted, was physical food. He said, you know, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you're going to uh, follow me, if you're going to be one of mine, if you're going to be in the kingdom. You're going to have... And they're like, wait a minute, we, yeah, we thought you were really kind of odd, Jesus, but you've just confirmed it, because this is, this only a lunatic would say something like this. They didn't comprehend, they didn't understand the spiritual impact that Jesus was trying to give to them. Because they were so physical, physically minded. They totally missed the spiritual impact. You're gonna to have to, you're gonna to have to give up a lot if you're gonna follow me. And so that they, many, many, it says, withdrew from following Jesus right then. Because like, this is crazy. What he's saying will not work. You see? What he's saying will not work. How many people look at the teachings of Jesus and say, I don't think that's going to work. I'm going to do it like this. I, I know, Jesus, that you said I should turn the other cheek, but that doesn't work. 
And so I'm going to get my revenge, you see. What Jesus says doesn't work. And so I'm going to do it my way. We have a world full of people like that, and you and I struggle with that too in some ways. And if you think real deeply, go into that dark place that you don't like to go, you know there's areas of your life that need to change to reflect your Lord and Savior more. Are we going to let Jesus change us? Jesus counted the cost, and that's something that we need to do. Uh, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. In in Luke 9, in Luke 9, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Some translations say he set his face to go to Jerusalem. His face right into the face of the storm because you know what he's going to get in Jerusalem. And so did he. He knew exactly what he was going to get in Jerusalem. He was going to get persecuted, nailed to a cross, and die. And he set his face. In fact, some of the Samaritan cities would not receive him, right? He's journeying along, and uh, they want to go into a city, and it's like, no, you're, you're, you're resolutely going to Jerusalem. We don't want you here. And uh, the sons of thunder, James and John, what'd they say? Well, Lord, should we call down the lightning and destroy these people? And, of course, Jesus says, you don't know what spirit we're of. No, that's not what we're going to do, fellas. I have a totally different purpose. So they continue to learn, but Jesus counted the cost. He knew what it was going to take. He knew he was going to die. And I want to challenge us, are we counting the cost? We live in a culture of lies, greed, pride, lust, selfishness, broken relationships. Why? Because we're not counting the cost when we're face-to-face with Jesus and doing the things that he's called us to do. What do we need to do? Galatians 5 talks about the, the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit isn't being at church every Sunday. It isn't uh, saying your morning prayers necessarily. It isn't making sure you're at Sunday night worship. The It isn't breaking bread at the table every Sunday. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to do all of those things. But the fruit of the Spirit is not keeping rules. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We were in class this morning studying. and Lee was leading the discussion, and he, Paul is encouraging them not to participate in sexual immorality. I love it when we can talk about sexual immorality. I've been married for 33 years, and uh, he's, going to have to, he's going to have to come up with a whopper at this point in my life for me to commit sexual immorality. I'm not saying it can't happen. It definitely could. It does happen to people, but that's a whopper. That's like... Satan, go ahead and try, but I've been faithful for 33 years. I love my wife with all of my heart. I really, okay, 
So let's talk about sexual immorality, because that doesn't affect me, you see? Let's pick on people that commit sexual immorality. Let's, and that's not what Lee was doing at all, okay? I'm just saying, I like that topic, because it's not a problem for me. I mean, it could be. I'm not saying it's, okay, that's not a big problem for me. What's a big problem for me that we never talk about, that we'd never focus on in in sin? What about being unkind to someone? Is that a sin? Well, if if the fruit of the Spirit, if the right thing, if the righteous and holy thing is to be kind, then the opposite of that, I would have to say, is a sin to be unkind to someone, to fail to love people, to fail to recognize the sensitivities that people around me have, to fail to to love someone who has been unkind to me. Don't know. Let's talk. Please, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about sexual immorality in my presence because that's not really a struggle for me right now. Please don't talk about being gentle because that is a problem for me. Please don't talk about uh, being uh, uh, patient because that is a struggle for me. But we don't talk about those things. We like to talk about the whoppers that, that people do have problems with. Uh, we live in a culture that has real problems with that, uh, and we can have problems with that right here in our fellowship. But we focus on those grave sins, and we forget to reflect the fruit of the Spirit, the godness, godness in our lives. You see what I'm saying? Those are the things that we need to be focusing on. Being a fan is very pleasant. Being a follower is disruptive in my life. It's not fun sometimes. Yesterday, Saturday, yes, Saturday, uh, we were visiting our, our new grandson in Joliet, and uh, it was time to go. And I, I get a little antsy when it's time to go. We were driving all the way to Belgrade to pick up our son flying in, him and his wife, and it's like, oh, we need to go, we need to go, we need to go. And seemingly... I wasn't very kind to my wife. Well, it seemed fine to me. I get a little short. I get a little excited. I get a little antsy. But Kathy and I uh, have gotten to a point where we allow one another to say, that wasn't comfortable for me. And she said it very politely. And you know what? I knew that I wasn't that kind. But I'd rather not think, don't, please don't bring that up, because that's a real challenge for me. And I had, I, I had to say, I'm sorry I wasn't real kind. I had to do that yesterday. I don't know, maybe you guys didn't sin yesterday. Maybe you were sweet and kind to everyone, just like Jesus would be. Uh, but these are the things that are real. These are real things. These are real problems that we deal with every day. And it's why we have broken relationships. It's why we're struggling in this world so severely because of these little things that we, that we give no credit to at all. You be unkind to your wife, Calvin. She's, she'll get over it and she'll sleep well tonight. 
It'll all be better tomorrow. Don't face that fact. You see? Uh, will you follow me? Some people said, Jesus, I'll follow you. I want to follow you. Jesus said, well, uh, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. Are you really going to follow me? One said, well, I want to follow you. Just let me go bury my dad. And what did Jesus say? Let, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. You go sell everything you have and come follow me. Jesus knows what's restricting people from really following him. Someone said, just let me say goodbye to my friends. And what did Jesus say? Anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom. Wait a minute. All they want to do is go say goodbye to their friends, Jesus. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Isn't that extreme? Isn't that excessive? Isn't that... Uh, that's the, the, the sounds of a lunatic, you see. But Jesus knows what is in the way of following him. I have a video clip, and I hope it's going to play, and we're going to get volume. That's my goal. If it doesn't, uh, are you willing to follow? If it doesn't, um, I'll tell you about the video clip. But it's... We should... There's this young single father that's been going to our church for, I guess, about a year. His story would probably sound pretty familiar to you. He grew up in a religious home, made a decision for Jesus when he was a kid. They never really committed himself to following after Christ. But that's all changed now. I mean, he is a completely committed follower, and the transformation has been pretty dramatic. I mean, he would tell you that before he was a follower, his life consisted of getting drunk, smoking pot, chasing girls. He said he was angry at the world, but he didn't really know why. Just going through life aimlessly and without purpose. 
but the transformation, I mean, you would notice it right away if you talked to him. He's got this joy and this peace in his life, and he's always serving. Finances are tight for him, but he gives generously to people who are in need. I guess, though, it was a few months ago that he asked if I would sit down and talk to his mom. I said, okay. I didn't know what she wanted, but I knew she went to another church in town, so I, I assumed she probably just wanted to say thank you for the difference in her son's life. But she didn't want to say thank you. In fact, she was upset. She was upset with me and upset with the church, and she was upset with her son because in her words, he's taken all of this too far. And she didn't like how he was praying before all the meals and how he would always talk to relatives about some scripture he'd read or some sermon he'd listened to. And she, she said to me, would you please tell him that the Bible teaches moderation in all things? Would you please tell him it doesn't have to be all or nothing? I tried not to get upset. I tried to have this pleasant smile on my face, but my jaw was clenched and I could feel my eyebrows narrow. And I was angry. I was defensive for my friend. And so I do what I always do when I get mad. I start quoting from Revelation. I said, no, Jesus didn't teach that. In fact, Jesus said to the church in Revelation, you're neither hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He taught the exact opposite of moderation in all things. He taught that if you wanted to follow him, it would cost you everything. And so he's ready for you to define the relationship. Are you a fan or are you a follower? in our Christian faith. I mean, just easy does it. But Jesus isn't calling for moderation in our lives. It might seem heavy, but following Jesus is the most freeing experience of anyone's life. It really is. And you and I know that. We know that. But we have to give our all. We have to empty ourselves so that Jesus can fill us, so that his spirit can fill us. And if we don't make room for his spirit uh, with regards to patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, we'll never have those qualities. We'll always languish so close to peace and joy, but never really getting there and wondering why. I'm not saying we're not going to heaven because we haven't been, become totally 100% like Jesus. I'm saying we can have a better life. And that's what Jesus wants you to have, is a better life. That's all he wants, is for you to have the most wonderful life now and for you to have the most wonderful life forever. So please challenge yourself. What do I need to do to follow Jesus more fully in my life and experience the peace and joy that he wants me to have. Will you follow Jesus? If you're here this morning and you need to answer the call of our Savior, he is not the door of our hearts day in and day out. And if you need to uh, answer his call, if you need the prayers of your family, whatever you need, won't you come while we stand and sing together? <laughs>